Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Living It Up podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this first episode of 2023, we will talk about the Century Tournament of Mostly Champions. We'll talk about the live announcements or lack thereof outside of just executive departures. And we'll also talk 2023 season prognostications and our own goals for this year. But first, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction, the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. You know you need some gear to better manage the elements. So head to zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for a very generous 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I am joined by George and PGA Tour veteran Billy Hurley III. Let's start with you, Billy. You've played in this event. So uh, give us your thoughts on Kapalua and this uh, this family luau of a golf tournament. It's one of the greatest weeks of the year. The you know the, the 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 greatest weeks of the year are in order: the Masters, the week you play the best, and Hawaii. And the week the years that you get to spend two weeks in Hawaii are amazing because you you know Kapalua and then Sony uh, in in Oahu next week. So. Um, you know, it's a good thing that there's guaranteed money at this event because you spend it all. Because, like you said, the family comes, the in-laws come, the grandparents come, the you know, and it's kind of one of those all on all on your dime because you're you know now the 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 PGA Tour winner who who qualified for this thing, which means you know you uh, paid a lot of taxes the year before, and so it's it's a great week. You know, it's a, it is definitely a big family event. Um, they have some great player events. Um, some of the best sushi I ever ate in my life, you know, there at the, the Ritz Carlton, um, sushi house, uh, one, one of the nights of, of 2017 when, when I played and, you know, it's, it's one of those perks that you want to do again, you know, you want to get back in the winter circle as quickly as possible. So you can check, check that one off on, and put it on the schedule for the the following year. Um, always extra special for me, you know, Hawaii was always an extra special having served in Pearl Harbor. So go, going back to the islands was always kind of homecoming as well. So has, has even an extra fond memory uh, for me in, in, in my life, but the, the golf course is, is interesting. I, I mean, people like it a lot more than I like it. I, I, not fare particularly well there so you know i'll put that clause up front that you tend to not like places you don't play well at but um it was uh i mean it was also kind of a rainy week you know when i played everything was pretty soft and you know so you didn't get some of that fun on the ground run around that that, that we've seen some of the spectacular shots uh, at kapalua where the you know balls running 50 yards on the ground and and especially on 18 and stuff um that that was not the not the case the year year I played so um yeah I mean it's 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 a fun place it's a great week you know Hawaii is tremendous the views of the ocean are amazing you know whale season's just starting to come in so you see some of that stuff and um for for the rest of us back on the mainland it's it's fun to look at the scenery through a television set yeah, I mentioned at the top, this is the uh, the tournament of mostly champions, uh, just by way of, of housekeeping. This one is both winners from the previous year, but also those folks that qualified for the season-ending tour championship. So they added a couple extra perks for those that qualified for the season-ending tour championship. 
not only do they get to play in the tournament of champions, they also get a two year uh, exemption on the PGA tour. So, you know, much, much bigger deal now to make that season ending tour championship. And I will say, Billy, you know, echoing what you said, this has always been a tournament I've looked forward to. I'm in the mid Atlantic. So usually this time of year, it's, it's very cold, if not, you know, potentially snowy and we're not playing a lot of golf or if you are, it's sort of winter golf where it's, uh, you know, you're, you're cold and maybe wet. Um, and so you always look forward to, you know, looking at, you know, blue skies and, and blue water and great views. And like you said, balls, balls kind of running on the ground. So that was always a novelty effect for me is it's primetime golf. You know, you get to watch in, in primetime on the East coast. Um, so that had a lot of allure to it. I'm curious, George, uh, you seem to have an affinity for, for this event. What, what say you about this, uh, century? Um, this is probably one of my favorite events of the year, um, for all the reasons you shared, um, it's the start it's in the middle of winter. So, um, you know, being on the East coast, it's cold, usually have a fire going watching this. Um, it's great. Sadly, it falls in dryuary. It'd be fantastic to have a nice glass of wine watching this in the evening. Um, this is going to be my flu game, but I'm going to persevere. Um, and, and then the course is just fun to watch on TV. Like these, there's crazy elevations and they do a pretty good job on TV of actually showing like they're teeing off from 66 feet above the fairway. And the numbers are just like goosed up from a video game where that drive went 422 yards. And then it's like, well, it was teed off from a seven story building. There's a tailwind. And then the fairway also slopes away from them. Um, and it's playing firm and fast. So I, I always dig this tournament, um, the limited field, you always see good players. So, you know, it's kind of familiar faces and prime time, which is one of my favorite things. So like with the West coast swing, I always enjoy being able to watch a little bit in the evenings. So I'm, I'm glad Kapalu is back and it looks like John Rahm, um, as Wesley Bryan predicted, is is off to another hot start. Yeah, George, you mentioned actually something that I wanted to get Billy's uh, take on, which is I think they do do a really good job like showing, I think it was 150 feet of elevation change on the 17th hole and just sort of what that means from, from tee to green. But Billy, when the ball is like up in the air, when you've had to make all these adjustments, let's say you're like downhill X number of yards, wins off the right and helping – how much like consternation do you have when you throw a ball up there when there's like maybe 20 or 40 yards of sort of give that you're, that you're giving this shot? I mean, on tee shots, it's just fun to watch, right? Like you kind of just throw it out there and, and, and kind of, you know, hopefully you get it riding the wind. Right. And it's, it's kind of just fun to watch it go on. I always try not so much at, at Kapalua because of, because of the wind, um, piece of it where you're trying to some of those those downhill shots especially typically the winds behind you so you're trying to you know kind of ride it so but but on on other shots when the when you're that high above the fairway or above the green or or whatever uh, I always tried to hit them a little lower actually which maybe doesn't make sense on its face but but I wanted to get the ball out of the air because the ball curves more. That's the other piece, right? When the ball's in the air longer, it's curving more. So a, a, a miss hit or a poor strike or, or, or whatever um, is, is magnified because there's just more time that it's curving offline if, if you hook it or cut it or whatever. So I always kind of tried to just get it out of the air a little bit to kind of keep it um, more in play. I mean, not Again, this doesn't apply to Kapalua. Fairways are huge. Like you, you're trying to use the wind and, and, and ride it more and, stuff like that potentially so 
Um, you know, but the, but the downhill, like the downhill shot into 17 is, is one of those where you kind of can't quite tell how far the ball is going to fly. You know, it gives you that little extra pucker factor when it's in the air. There's a, there's kind of a back middle left ish pin there that is, it's so hard to get to because there's not much behind that green um, just by way of real estate before you're in like the cart path and somebody's backyard and, 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 and that kind of stuff. And, and so, you know, anytime where you're, you're adding in the, the elevation, you know, taking less club because it's downhill that much, it's just, it's harder to get the ball close. You, you know, it's, it's harder. You're, you're, you're guessing on a couple of more things, um, you know, how much downhill is it? How much downhill is it really playing? You know, how much the wind affects it more because it's in the air longer, you know? And so it, it's, it definitely, there's, there's some more, yeah, we'll call it like pucker factor when, when some of those balls are in the air, just of, of, of how long they're going to be in the air, or are they going to stay in the air long enough to, to catch the front edge and hop forward versus, you know, catching kind of the, the spongy fringe and staying on the front edge or, or whatever. How demoralizing is it when they show these things and these, these fairways look like they're a hundred yards wide where as you're talking, you hit this towering tee shot and it's just sailing. And it's probably like you said, it's just curving and then still curving and you miss a hundred yard. I don't know if I've ever missed a hundred yard fairway, George. So I don't know how that feels. Um, no. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about that is, right, so like let's take 18, for example, at, at Kapalua. The speed slot's down the right side of the fairway. The left side's a little bit flatter, and you don't get as big of a bounce forward. So while the fairways are huge, and, and this is kind of a, you know, big core Crenshaw thing, you know, and this is one of their their th- their their places that they've they've had some input into. I don't know if they're the original designer, if they redid it or whatever, but they've done some work there. And, and so it's like the angles actually matter. So that fairway is half the size for what you're actually trying to do. And then the right side of that fairway is a terrible miss. Like if you miss it right, like you got your downwind, down off the right, downhill, trying to hit a high draw to bring it in, to get that big bounce, to get the, you know, 50 yards, 80 yards to roll you guys referenced earlier and you hang it and it doesn't turn over. And now it's staying four yards in the right rough and you're just watching it fall and it's going to get gobbled up, not get the big bounce. Now you're 50 yards, 60 yards behind the guys you're playing with simply because you missed it four yards. Right. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's marginally different than, than just missing a hundred yard wide fairway, which, which you could take out of play, right? You could take out of play and not try and get the speed slot, and and just get it in the you know middle of the fairway to the left side of the fairway and and that and that's that's fine you're not going to get there in two doing that um on on 18 at, at Kapalua uh they probably use an up box you know a couple of days there too that 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 maybe would allow you to get there in into from from landing on the left side of the fairway but but so anyway those are just kind of the the nuanced difference between just like how do you miss a 100 yard fair wide fairway well you're not aiming at a hundred yards, right? You're actually aiming at 20 and maybe you missed that. Yeah. And it's interesting to note, uh, I'll segue to a guy that I don't think missed many fairways actually didn't miss many putts last year. This tournament may be marked by who's not there. 
more so this year. I don't know how much this will be talked about on the broadcast, but our defending champion Zero. of, of the century at all. Uh, shot 34 under set a set a tournament record, you know, blitz the field or not blitz the field, blitz the course. Uh, may, many players actually shot more than 30 under par, which was remarkable. Uh, but Cameron Smith is is obviously absent from this event, will not be defending his, his title. And also the field does not include Rory McIlroy. And that's noteworthy because this is now the first, quote unquote, elevated event uh, of the 2023 calendar. And so that's going to, you know, mandate that the top players that got, you know, pit money have been designated top players show up to these events. Notably, uh, the, the tour communications and, and some of the folks in media have, have noted that there will be one sort of excused absence, uh, if you want to call it that. And Rory has taken advantage of that along with Shane Lowry this week, an event that I don't think historically has ever been on his calendar, even though he is a perennial winner. Uh, so not super surprising that he's going to skip this one, but maybe a surprise that he's that he's skipping you know, taking his one excused absence so early. Uh, but I think also kind of notable absences. We've talked about some of these iconic shots. You know, probably one of the most iconic shots of the last decade was Dustin Johnson nearly acing a par four from something like 430 yards. Uh, again, a guy that was, you know, left out of, uh, we we quit back on, on Twitter, the, the top 10 shots from the Century Tournament of Champions. You know, how, how do you leave out the one that the, the casual fan would, would probably remark is their number one, uh, you know, top shot. Casual fan. No one, no expert greater than Brandel Chambly said it might have actually been the greatest shot in the history of golf, which I have to be honest, even in the moment, like it was awesome to watch. I was watching that tournament. It was a very cool shot. When DJ is a ripping driver, he is not picking the slope and the spot of the fairway for it to land and roll to within two inches at 453 yards away. So I think when we look back at, you know, I would say there's a number of more, I think, actual calculated shots that ended the where they did that were significantly better. Um, but it was still a very cool shot. And to, to hear that, you know, one of golf's greatest and most vaunted voices of history um, had declared that the greatest one of all time, only to now just have it scrubbed away from the pages is is a little causes a little chuckle. I think there was a there's a Bubba Watson like driver off the deck, 80 yard cut on 18 too. that was that, that you know, notably missing from from that. Um, I, I will, George, I, I do have to say that actually um, when Dustin Johnson is on with his driver, I actually believe he's picking slopes and fairways of where to land it. It's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty remarkable stripe show when that thing's going where it's where, where he wants it to go. Yeah, I, the funny quip that he had when someone asked him about, you know, the driver and, you know, he he notably, I think, in the last I don't know which year this was probably four or five years ago, decided to just hit a cut. Uh, you know, a dependable, I don't know how many, you know, 10 yard cut that he hits, but just pounds it. And uh, he was asked like, do you, do you ever hit a hook? And he was like, intentionally, like, have I ever hit one? And no, I will, I will hit no intentional, intentional hook. So yeah, he may have been aiming for that specific slope to bounce it off. Uh, but, but uh, you know, that's actually a good segue, you know, talking about the guys that are, that are missing from the event into, you know, a, a point that I think we'll make, and I don't know how long we'll spend on this is that, you know, it's been, pretty quiet in uh in live uh pr the only things that have really come out in the last few weeks is that there's been some more executive uh departures uh notably 
this guy that left today or was confirmed to have left, it's not clear when exactly he left, but it was confirmed that he left, was running for or running their franchise business, essentially selling what would be these teams to sponsors to see if they would, you know, take equity stakes and sort of create these these team franchises. You know, one could look at that and say that means they haven't been successful. That means this guy doesn't think he can be successful. That he's not getting traction, or Greg Norman doesn't feel like he's making the traction. There's there's a bunch of ways you could try to read into that, but it's been a lot of you know no news, which I don't think in this case is is good news. Yeah, I I definitely don't get the sense that they are you know buzzing and ready to come with some what was the term bombshells yeah last year we always had bombshells coming out um we'll, we'll get to it later in the show but i have some words i want to make sure that do not get used this year um and and so when, when i when the no news now it's just it seems like that's not great we still have open events they haven't filled or revealed where they're going to be played and courses and dates and now these departures and to your point, like these departures have been quiet. It hasn't been, hey, I really enjoyed my time. It was fantastic. I'm really excited for what's to come. Like very kind of out the side door. Um, I think a tool, whatever it was, when he left, like he had been gone for almost like a month before the news broke. Um, so these have been very quiet departures, which, you know, tends to not be uh, a sign of great things going on. Yeah, certainly when AK left as COO, that's a huge deal. And as you mentioned, George, you know, having been gone for over a month before you've been like kind of reported on like bad look there. It's unclear to me how big of a loss uh, this is in, in, in the franchise department for uh, for Liv. It's certainly not good. Like there's there's a no, you know, spin. I don't think that that, that it could be like a good thing um because there's no heels of like we hired you know a guy 5x better right so it's definitely not good how how bad it is 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 kind of to be seen and and I think that's kind of that's like been the live thing for for really 12 months now is like we'll see well we'll we'll see um and 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 you look at the schedule like you 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 mentioned george's we'll see like it's not great that they have over half their events that aren't confirmed dates and locations um you know now now the pj tour has events that aren't confirmed you know in the fall there was you know a release of a potential schedule in the fall um you know my guess is that's just using um you know, individual tournament page websites, you, you know, or, or, or a draft uh, internal memo, you know, I, I've, as a tour player received no communication regarding, you know, the 23 fall schedule at this point. So, um, you know, you can get some information going to individual tournament websites and, you know, they're starting to talk about when their tournament's going to be in, in September or October or whatever. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of things left to play out. It's it, it's really fascinating to me that we're playing in a sport in in a in a day and age now where like the end of the season isn't defined and and we're going. You know, the the season is going and 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 where it ends, we don't actually know. But but we're just we're gonna we're gonna keep going after it. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think that way. You think about the major sports, certainly in the U.S., you've got the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL. They're very defined 
off seasons, playoffs, sort of free agency periods, you know, tampering periods where people can can very much not 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 deal players, trade deadlines, like things that we've become accustomed to. It's interesting to think that theoretically, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to like stir up any news, but like, yeah, theoretically, there could be players at the tour championship that are still evaluating whether or not they may jump to live. There were there were some that were asked those questions at press conferences, some flat out, you know, would deny it. Others would talk about it a la Patrick Cantley as, yeah, I, I look at them as like a potential, you know, uh, competitor. And so they're, they're looking for talent. Who knows if that's posturing or not, but, but theoretically there could be still names on the horizon. Greg Norman has hinted at six or seven names that they want to fill out in the 23 uh, sort of roster. Um, it, you've still got a lot of time theoretically before, February the 24th, which is when the live season begins in Mayakoba. So we've still got a month and a half until that time. I would wonder if they're waiting or if they just don't have their ducks in a row. And so the waiting is not, you know, timed waiting, but rather we just have to figure this out. Well, it goes back, obviously, like the the guy who left, who's selling these franchises, you know, when, when companies make their buys for PR and all these kinds of things, sponsorships, you know, they don't do it on 10 minutes notice. Like these budgets are set 12 months in advance kind of thing. And so for them not to be able to have the franchise and who am I buying, right? Like, okay, I guess four aces or whatever they'll be called. We pretty much know who they are. The Australian team, we pretty much know who they're going to be. Some of these teams are pretty set. Other teams, you know, how do you go sell something that is a very unfinished product? And even if they, you know, let's say they land six names on February 1st, there's, I mean, if you listen to the news, you know, we're headed into not great economic times. There's not going to be a whole lot of companies racing to write a massive check to sponsor these things on no time notice. So I, I think this is, you know, last year we were told, hey, this is the beta. Wait till you see what we got. You know, we're going to roll this out. And, you know, that that was great. It bought them time. But the problem with that is you got to reveal the cake at some point. And so far, uh, they don't seem to have finished baking it from what anyone can see. Yeah, I would say that's a fair characterization. Like I said, no news in this case is, is in my my view, not good news. There were talk, I think Greg Norman at one point said something around either the end of the year, or the beginning of the year that the schedule would be released. And so, you know, that that would be one shoe to drop perhaps in the in the coming weeks because they they committed to a degree to, to having it out at the at the end of the year, or the beginning of the year. But but as we're talking about this new kind of season, this new calendar year, I thought maybe we'd we'd jump into uh prognostications for this season. And so I, I wanted to start with maybe this one. We think about as as golf fans a lot in in the four majors. I'm curious to get your guys like who will be a first time major winner this year. I'll, I'll I'll punch it over to you, George. Who is gonna who's gonna maybe not surprise us, but who's gonna who's gonna jump off the uh, jump off the you know maybe best player to not win a major uh, category. I, I don't know if I'd say the best player not to win a major, but just based on what we saw last year. Do I get to pick one or can I have, I'll just pick one. I mean, I think Cam Young's got to like a PGA, something like that. Um, you know, 
the dude was sniffing around, I think three of the majors last year. Um, and just seems to have the demeanor to be in the position. Uh, so I, I would say, I, I think if, I Cam Young would be my breakthrough. So that's that's clearly not the best to never win one. Um, but I, I don't I would be I would I'll guess I'll put it this way. I will not be surprised if Cam Young is hosting is hoisting a major trophy this year. Yeah, I can go next. In terms of the category of you know players, and, and I'm not gonna go too far out on a limb here, you know, I, I tend to look at guys like Tony Finau and I think about like big, big ballparks that you're gonna see. Um, at the PGA championship. And, and I just think like a guy like that has game for days. He's put it together now kind of late in the season with, with a run of victories. He's, he hasn't really, I don't think sniffed around in a major in a serious way, but I, but I tend to look at him as, as a guy that maybe is, as a, you know, started to put the winning combination together. And I, and I see him clipping the PGA this year. I'll, I'll go out and say, Tony Finau wins the PGA. Wow, you're putting you're putting a major winner and a and a time like a, a week like a, a time. Th- I mean, did you are you going to parlay this somewhere? I mean, it could be worth a lot of money. I mean, if you're going, I mean, you could probably get good odds on the on the PGA Championship. Well, I'm I'm today. waiting to hear what what you you say until I, oh, I strike right, this parlay. Right. So I say I say I say that makes that makes good sense. Um, the the first player that came to my mind was Sahith Tagala. And and that's um, I know he so he hasn't won like he right so he won the silly season thing, um, and but it just wouldn't surprise me. I think he certainly he, you know certainly he'd be on the short list for like first time winners on the PGA Tour. But but I think that he could go you know a step further than that. By the way, in response to your uh, Tony at the PGA, uh, that's going to be in I believe early May. In, in Rochester, in Rochester, New York. Do you know? Do you know who grew up in in New York playing golf? Cam Young. The mean, I mean, the mean streets, the Bronx, the mean streets. Yeah, Sleepy so, Hollow. I don't. I don't think. I think Cam Young. I think that one's just setting up perfect for him. Uh, so we might have to to do some uh, capital investments uh, in that so, direction. So let's go to one. And, and George, I'll, I'll point this to you because he he is your favorite golfer, Rory McIlroy. Is he going to come? Uh, come out blazing this year is he gonna is he gonna finally uh maybe cr- win a major and or uh, complete the career grand slam at the masters candidly as a golf fan i think i would love to see rory win the masters i'd love to see the career grand slam you know he is by all accounts a great guy and everything else did he get a little annoying last year yes he did um but i man i feel like the masters is starting to be a little bit like the U S open with Phil, like for whatever reason, no matter how close Rory gets, something happens, whether it's someone just gets blazing hot and kind of sprints past him or or weird kick happens or something like, uh, I, I just finished reading, uh, Shipnuck's book, Phil, and they go through all those U.S. Opens, and it is crazy. And even the, some of the Masters, it is crazy some of the weird things that would happen um, to him. But the U.S. Open almost every single time was a very self-inflicted, just terrible swing at the worst possible time. So I don't know. I, I, I would love to see Rory get the Masters for the career slam. I am very skeptical that he can overcome the scar tissue to do it. And, yes, I think he will pick off, like, 
three or four regular season tournaments this year because I still do believe that that dude out of everyone who's playing right now, like maybe Rom, if, if he's in full gear, but like Rory's top gear when he's just in like, Oh, I actually am this talented. I think he is by far the most talented guy playing regularly on all tours. Uh, Actually, I would say maybe on on all tours. Like as as much as I think Cam Smith probably is my master's pick. I think he just has that demeanor and his putting stroke, and just he just seems so steady. And he's freed up now. He's got the British. He's got a bunch of money. He's chilling in Australia right now, probably happy as he's ever been. Um, but yeah, I think if you just had to line him up every week, I think over the course of a season. Roy's just going to – he's just going to find it. And I think it's because he seems to have much more fun out there when he's playing well. And then all of a sudden it just spirals up in good ways. Whereas other guys seem to be much more reserved and locked in and it's not as fun. Even though, you know, they party afterwards and it looks fun. But in the process, you know, Cam Smith does not look like he's having fun when he's winning tournaments. He has fun in the pub afterwards and it looks like he enjoys winning. But when he's out there, like that dude looks like a psychopath killer. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the the, the two, you know, when, when I was playing, the question was who's better at their best, Rory or DJ. And and I think that, you know, you you George, you hit the other two on the head right now in the world is is Rom and and Cam Smith, right? Those are so and and I don't know if DJ still belongs in that conversation or not. He's obviously a, a really good player. I think, you know, some of this stuff's a little hard to compare now because we're not seeing them play together um, as, as as much as we were accustomed to for the last 10 years. We haven't seen them in the last six months in that way. So the majors will be will be will be telling in that way. Um, I, I don't think Rory gets the Masters done this year. I think there's too much pressure. There's too much other stuff. It just doesn't doesn't seem like does he ever get it done? I'm 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 beginning to feel like George. Um, I don't know, but I don't think it's this year. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction. For more than 30 years, Zero Restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at zerorestriction.com for their support of the Living It Up podcast. So here's another one, and I will, uh, I'll exclude Cam Smith from this just because I think he'd be the easy pick. So uh, will a live player threaten or win a major this year? Uh, question B, what would that do to the golf world? Uh, and I'll go first on this one. I, I will say in the non-Cam Smith division, I, I actually look at a guy like Patrick Reed and you know, much, much maligned by, I think the golf media and, and he's sued them to that, to that effect. Um, but the guy still has game for miles. His short game is still so deadly. Every time you see him, he's just the type of guy that always seems to have that chip on his shoulder. And I think he, he would love nothing more than to just spoil the party and, and go off. And, and I'm not saying he, he definitely wins the masters, but he's the type of guy that's already won there once. Like, why not do it again? And and what that would do to the golf world is it would just be, uh, just grab your popcorn. It would be unbelievable to watch. I I think also assuming they're healthy, both of them I think were pretty banged up last year. But like, if Brooks Kepka is healthy, 
I, I mean, the dude can contend anywhere. Um, and you know, what he, what he did over 14 months, two years ago or three years ago, or however long it was when, you know, he ripped off four majors in basically 14 months, like that's the dude's got a ceiling. That's pretty good when he's healthy. Um, so if he's been able to rest and get himself in, in shape and the wrist or whatever it is, it's held him back. Um, I, I don't think, you know, it would shock me in the slightest to see him contend at Augusta. He's, he's been up at the top of that leaderboard quite a bit. Um, he certainly loves the U S opens and, uh, I think LACC might, you know, bring back some Aaron Hills vibes to him, depending what they, I don't know what they're doing with rough out there, but, um, you know, I just think he's, he's one of the guys I also kind of on the, the young guys to break through, like Joaquin can go deep. Um, that kid's got game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe like at a bridge. Or, or pick something off somewhere um and then let's not forget that the big golfer bryson um apparently no longer big he's he's decided to kind of pair it back and go back to his normal size um that dude even before getting big and weird and everything else still really really good um and you know if his on plane single length clubs or whatever you know another dude who could probably show up and pick off a weird tournament or, you know, maybe not Augusta. Um, but, you know, I could see him messing around with the U S open if he's healthy and probably even a British. I mean, it's par 68. He just has to like shoot par. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I mean, if you shoot 68 a lot, you're going to do okay. So just shoot par easy game. I think it's going to be really hard. I mean, for, for a live player to win one of these just on the, uh, one of these being a major in, in, in our conversation right now, just just on like, think about that Friday night, that Saturday after presser, like that Sunday morning, like the 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 just the 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 build and the hype. It'll be I mean, I hope it happens because like you said, Brian, like grab your popcorn, um, at, at least the contention of it, you know, and, and, and that there's somebody kind of in the leaderboard that's that's, you know, um, so to that effect, with all of those external factors, I'm picking DJ because there's no one better at blocking out everything else, not caring and just hitting a golf ball. Yeah, he uh, he definitely seems like the type that could handle those pressers and all that all that pressure that may come along with even, you know, sniffing around the lead lead or the leaderboard. Uh, let's go to this PJ Tour elevated event series. I think there's been one, and this has been talked about, you know, in the in the sort of media and the, in the podcast world. You know, the downside potentially of this getting getting the top players together more often is that it's sort of a, a redux of the World Golf Championships, and those did not produce always the the greatest events. Obviously, Tiger won a bunch of them in in the early days, and those were you know sort of exciting, but sort of not exciting at the same times when he just you know dominates the field. You know, is there a potential downside in these things just looking like WGC part two? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really know how they will be any different, um, honestly. And, you know, there's also this, and I've, I've talked about it, where, and I've, I've put it up on Twitter, when you, when you think about the number of days of professional golf that the PGA Tour plays, like it's its season is almost longer than major league baseball, which is 162 games. 
you know, you, you have 40 some tournaments a year, four days per tournament, you know, that all adds up. And if they bring these elevated events, which is really to try to basically bring the top 80 players in the world together, at least the 80 on the tour. Um, and, you know, at some point, the DP world tour guys that are any good are just going to be like, well, we, we have to come over because the money is going to be so much bigger. You're basically playing majors at non-major courses and then asking us to be excited for the majors. I, I, I just think it's going to be an oversaturation thing. Um, there's no question. Like we just talked about Kapalua. It's fun. You see all the familiar faces, you know, there's, a lot of golf. You see a lot of golf because there's only 49, 39 players on the course to this week. So you see everybody, you see the shots. It's a condensed package of things, um, which, you know, if a tour could figure out how to do that, it might actually work. But um, the, I think the elevated series is going to have a number of unintended consequences that were, are going to ultimately be negative. I've talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, um, how the tours got to embrace this, you know, kind of two tier system. And that's the, that's where this goes. That's where they need to take it now. If they want it to be their idea and not a, we failed at elevated events and now we have to do it this way. So, um, but but to do that, you're right, Brian, it can't be this, you know, redo of the World Golf Championships where it's kind of a stagnant group of 70, right? It, it can't be more than 70 because of, you know, kind of split tees and all that stuff, right? So field size starts to starts to come into shape on that. So field size to me is either going to be 70 or 100. And we're, of course, talking about 2024, Going going forward, when when we refer to field size, the field size for 2023 will be the same as what it was in 2022 for the respective tournament. Um, that that is such elevated event. Um, but I just think it has to go this two tiered way, where call it 40 of the of the 70 are kind of exempt into all of them and then there's this 30 that kind of shuffles and maybe even there's a one spot monday qualifier right and maybe there's even a you, you know there's there's kind of a one you know other way to get in that's kind of random that has some you know way to to draw eyeballs to draw new uh talent up into it and and be able to kind of get yourself in that spiraling vortex um of, of of good play so there has to be some churn in it there has to be some up and down in it that's a lot of math and a, and a lot of um you know fedex cup points versus you know a series b series that's going to lead down into churn from the the b series tour event into the corn ferry tour so how do those points merge or don't merge together um and, and you know all this stuff is 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 what they do in Ponte Vedra is go model this stuff and 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 bring it to the pack and and say hey here's here's an idea what do you think and go model it again and et cetera et cetera so yeah and one thing I've thought about just hearing you talk about it and I've I've muddled over this a little bit is is I'm a product guy like the language and the messaging matters when it comes to a, a tiered system and these elevated events and I've yet to hear a clear articulation from. Jay Monahan or the folks at Ponte Vedra that say like, are they calling them? I think they even refer to them as 
designated events. I'm like, that's, that's terrible messaging. Like there almost has to just be a better way to speak about them. And I was thinking like, you know, the premier series and the challenger series, like things like that matter in, in, in the, the eyes and ears of a fan to understand like, oh, he's getting into a premier event. Oh, this is a challenger event. And in a challenger event, you can, you can play well and earn your way into the next two premier events or things of that nature. Like, I think all of that matters in the way that you package and present and message that. And I, I maybe expected that to happen this week and it, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And, and I don't expect it to happen. Like, uh, and, that, and I think that's part of the problem, Brian, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Is, is they have to embrace it and just call it what it is. And, and, you know, people were saying, well, what are they going to call these, you know, other events? We have these elevated or designated events. Um, what are they going to call the other ones? And I'm sitting there going, they're going to call them PGA tour events. That's what they're going to call them. They're not going to call them anything else because what happens in 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 your scenario, Brian, is 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 if they call them the 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 other tier, if they call them the non-designated events, they call them the 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 lower level events, they call them the whatever. Is you're pissing off tour players, you're pissing off the bottom half of the tour and telling them, you know, that you're kind of in Series B now, and they just need to embrace it. They just need to go do it. That's where this goes. It's where it's going to be. You just have to make a big boy decision and 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 get your messaging right get the names of it right figure that out um and 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 do it i imagine they're also trying to thread the needle because they don't want to piss off sponsors who have committed you know probably 3 4 years out before all these changes came and now are learning that their tournaments will be significantly different field wise than they may have originally expected. So I, I I think there's there's still a lot of you know algebra for the tour to figure out on on this. Um and I, I think it's gotta be on the sponsor level too. Um which kind of brought me to the thought of I, I I'm gonna be interested to see if at some point, depending how all this works, if some of these sponsors don't try to go to the tour and be like, look, we can invite whoever we want. You own the broadcast. You get all the money from the broadcast. If these guys show up, it's our money that's paying them. I'm referring to like live guys. And they won't get any FedEx points because they're not part of that. They won't get any pension stuff. If they win, they won't get the two-year exemption on the tour because they're not part of the tour to get that benefit. Like, And the sponsor's like, yeah, I just you're you've taken all the bodies away from me. I've paid my money. I want bodies... I want fans to come and this is how I'm going to get it. And I'll, I'll be curious to see if someone doesn't sort of push that. It's an interesting thought. I don't think they're going to get very far if they have that conversation. I mean, Jay's just going to tell them you're welcome to spend your marketing dollars elsewhere. I, I mean, that's just going to be the the, the, the simple answer. I, I mean, now, now maybe the tour is not in a financial position to be actually be able to do that. Right. I that's was going to say I mean, the question. They've lost sure. Honda as a sponsor, and I don't believe a new one has been named. Um, so I'm, I mean, I would be curious if at some point, and again, like if we're headed into this big global recession, you know, these dollars are going to be harder to find, and people who have already committed them might say, "Hey, man, look, I need to make sure I get a bang for this, and the only way I can do it is this because you've taken them away to these other eleven vents." And I'm not one of those. 
Yeah. And so to your point, I actually think in the in the scenario I described where they just embrace, you know, two tiers is that the purses come down in those in 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 the tier two. Right. I mean, the purses go up in tier one and they come down in tier two. So Honda, you know, you use Honda as an example is probably an eight million dollar purse. It would come back to five or six. Right. And as I, and, and I know it's not going to be Honda in 2024, they're out and whatever, but I'm just, you know, John Deere will no longer be six. It'll come back to, you know, five. You, you, and, and, and so these, they'll, they'll, they'll look more like uh, purses in 2010, right. Then versus in, in, again, in the B series events, they're not going to be not eight, $9 million events. They're going to be five, six, million dollar events you know still million dollars goes to the winner and and so you still kind of have that thing but but it's not this nine million dollar thing where they were pushing all of the sponsors to increase you know in in to the neighborhood of like in, in the contracts you know written in to have to increase you know two to four hundred thousand dollars a year year over year in in purse increases so um I think that you pull that back and 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 you help your sales kind of kind of in that way, and then you just you become a little more top heavy, um, but but you're becoming more top heavy whether you like it or not. So again, embrace it, and go go figure out the business model on it, and do it. Yeah, a lot to be figured out. I think, like you said, the 23 fall schedule has not been announced. There's been no details on what 24 may look like. So we will wait and see what what the PJ Tour says about the structure for the fall and and going forward. But let's go back to Live. We've talked a little bit about Live's lack of announcements and only being kind of bad news these days. I'm curious as we look to what will supposedly be 14 events in the 23 Live schedule have not been announced yet. You know, is Live going to be meh or is it going to actually assert itself as a kind of a true rival for uh, for top talent? I think at this point it's going to be meh. That's the only conclusion I can draw based on the lack of anything else you know you know we talked about it earlier kind of no news is is not good news at, at, at this point it seems and and so it just kind of feels like it's going to be mad um they'll surprise me somewhere you know they have all along the way but um it doesn't it doesn't have any feel like it's going to be something um you know in the nature of a of a true rival like it kind of did have that feel september and october to me and just with the with the lack of any news, any new player signings, any new sponsor, you know, agreements, TV deal, like just, just none of the stuff that they kept saying, wait and see, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. None of it's come now. I mean, Hey, February 1st could, could roll around or, or February 23rd could roll around and they just, you know, drop it all out and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but it, it feels like meh at this point to me. I, I completely agree. Um, any momentum that it felt like they might have put together um, has completely sort of dissipated. This like eerie silence is sort of how I would phrase it at this point. Just like, I don't even know what to think. I, I literally am wondering like, dude, are they really going to fold up shop? Like is some of the people who are saying the worst of the worst, like they're, they're going to be done. And I'm like, well, I don't know. They they haven't announced the schedule. They haven't finished. Like, and here we are. We're in January, and like absolute crickets. Players aren't saying anything. No media anywhere. 
it's just weird. And maybe they've got a huge, big, glitzy rollout ready to go after Kapalua. So they're not competing with the tour for eyeballs right now. But like, if, if they don't have something good, which would also be in the neighborhood of, you know, two or three fairly impressive names. I, I think we're going to be back to meh. I, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to wait and play the long game. And as we've talked about, you know, bring in some younger players. Um, one of the thoughts I had as we're talking about these elevated events on the tour with 70 players, that there's going to be a bottleneck of talented guys who want to start playing for bigger purses and there's no way for them to get there because of the way that it's going to sort of reverberate within the upper echelon once you get there. And I think that those might be some of the guys that get picked off that are frustrated and see an avenue to get big purses. Um, So I I don't know, but I, I think unless something really good happens in the next, I'd say two weeks, like uh, my, my already very guarded expectations are going to be significantly reduced. Yeah. I'll give an interesting take on this, which is that there was a, there was a moment maybe three or four weeks ago when there were a lot of kind of bigger names rumored about when, when there were these six or seven openings that were, that were rumored. Some of the more recent comments have made me think that the top players, right. Are are you going to see two or three of the top 50 players? That seems less likely right now. It's not to say they couldn't surprise me, but it seems less likely. And so the way I'm going to this is there's often been a discussion and we've had this discussion on the pod a lot of times that, you know, it is about the the younger talent. And so if you look down into the top 150, but very, very young players, you look even further down to those guys that are not yet ranked that are still playing NCAA golf or are playing top level amateur golf around the world. I think maybe the six, eight names that surprise us could be, you know, 10 of the top 25 amateurs in the world. And they just go out and they get them and they say, here's a lot of money for a three-year commitment. We're going to build franchises around you being a a core of, of live golf. And who knows if that could be something that gives it juice that actually gives it like a pipeline and some, and some lasting power, you know, guys like Andy Ogletree, you could argue were, you know, maybe one-offs, maybe maybe not the, the big name that they wanted. But there was an interesting one, and this happened today. Gordon Sargent, NCAA champion, um, was actually given a special invitation to the Masters. And it made me think, like, maybe that was actually because he was rumored as a guy that might go to live, and that would be seen as a coup against the traditional kind of, you know, way that that talent is brought up through the, the quote-unquote ecosystem. And so when that special announcement happened, it, it triggered for me this thought that maybe Greg Norman and Liv are looking at it like, if I can't go out and get you know some of the top 50, I will go out and get a lot of the top 20 amateurs in the world. It's it's been an interesting way to do it. I, I think we you know we have talked about that. It's about the next players, you know, but I don't think that that actually solves their eyeball problem. Right. Because, you know, nobody knows who Gordon Sargent is. You know, he's a great golfer, you know, who's played exceptionally well in in college and amateur ranks. But but people aren't tuning tuning in to watch that. Right. Like, I mean, they might had no idea years. Yeah. 
So, I mean, they, 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 they might in three years, you know, kind of like, you know, nobody who knew who Cam Young was 18 months ago. Um, you, you know, so I mean, I, I, I could see doing, you know, three of those to kind of, you know, to, to also just allow people to know who you are in that world right which they which i've played with a couple of top level you know collegiate guys they know who live is and um you know so it'll that's i i can't see him going that deep on the on the amateur ranks i just i can't i can't see it one two three one one or two of them maybe to keep it interesting to do something a little different to to give another avenue to make people think twice about you know what agent they're using or 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 you know where they want to play you know eugenia shikara is like the greatest example right that they have right now but it yeah just doesn't it doesn't solve eyeball problems if they go for five seven eight of them and the other thing could be the you know we still have the dp world tour lawsuit hanging out there i think that gets resolved in february um that could be significant and depending where that lands, I'm curious, and maybe this is part of the reason why Liv is staying so quiet, is, I mean, are they going to maybe try to, more than they already did, try to raid the DP World Tour um, just for, you know, some household names worldwide? Um, but yeah, it's some sums up and it's, they got to figure it out because they, they definitely have holes to fill. Yeah, it's either got to be a big, huge splash, you know, like the size of the Atlantic, or it feels like it's nothing at this point. No, totally. And and this is not us trying to to jump into the rumor mill, but there's been a guy, Mito Pereira, that's been widely rumored. I, I agree. Like that to me is not a, a big splash. Like if you come out and say, I've got Mito Pereira, that's not the same as when you said, hey, we've got Cam Smith and he just picked off the Open Championship. So it doesn't, it doesn't solve the eyeball problem. It doesn't generate the buzz, I think, for a new year like they... I'm sure Greg Norman and, and team are trying to do right now. I, I will look at, you know, obviously we talked about February 24th being the start of their season. Anytime up until then, they could try to make a big splash. I think that, you know, that will be a moment in time. I also think if we look to the, sort of the midsummer timeframe, that's when I think like maybe if there are later defections, when you're going to know if this thing sort of has staying power for for some number of years, um, so I, I look to like July, August timeframe as to when you can probably make a little bit more of a educated guess as to what the next few years might look like for, for live versus the PGA tour. Is it going to be a real rivalry or is it going to be a, a flash in the pan with a lot of money behind it? But if, if we're, if the season long team thing becomes what we were led to believe it's supposed to be from last year, like, well, that's too late if it's the summer, because that means the team thing didn't really launch again this year. So I mean, they they're running out of runway to to take off and and see what they've got to generate the buzz. So um, wait and see, I guess. So that's a good pivot into uh, we'll we'll do some quick hits here. Everybody does goals. Everybody thinks about New Year's resolutions, but more so perhaps New Year's goals. Uh, I wanted to talk just uh, across our team here, our hosting team. What are your maybe two or three 2023 goals? These could be golf related goals or, or otherwise. I can go first. I uh, I maybe have mentioned that I that I hover in this kind of no man's land of, of of okay golfer, but not that good. At, at one stage, I was a plus handicap, sort of below a scratch golfer. 
I'm hovering around that, you know, one to three range. A lot of that's just consistency in terms of ball striking and, and putting and things of that nature. So that's one of my big goals, get back to like a, a plus handicap where I can be a legitimately good golfer kind of day in and day out, week in, week out. Um, for me, I'm actually uh, thinking a lot about the mid-am. Uh, so for me, like the Virginia mid-am and the U.S. mid-am qualifier this year. So that's a, a big goal for me. And then I think about process goals. So for me, uh, Fit for Golf is actually someone that's sponsored the pod in the past. And we had Mike Carroll, the uh, the owner and, and creator of Fit for Golf. I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, I use it. And and for me, a process goal is going to be to ensure that I, I keep up the three times per week that I've been on that clip as of late. I'm seeing some good improvements there. And then stretching every day. Uh, can't stretch enough as you get into your, uh, your, your late 30s and early 40s. It just uh, catches up with you if you don't stretch for a few days. So that's that's it for me, golf-related. Um, so mine are I'm going to walk. 30 rounds this year fell fell into a very, very bad place over the last couple seasons, hopping in carts. Then there would always be a few beverages in a cart. And uh, I, I want to get back to walking one half for fitness Two, I think it actually, I tend to just play better when I walked. I think the pacing of the, the round just keeps me a little bit more engaged. So mine is 30 rounds of golf gonna walk um i want to play in in three uh virginia state like stroke play events not team events where you can hide and do everything else like real like stand out there and count them up events and get real nervous and get used to being nervous um playing playing tournament golf and then sort of not golf related, but it's like, I, I was, I caught myself thinking about it when I was in a parking lot waiting for my kid to run in and do something is I'm going to go once a month to try like a total hole in the wall restaurant, no matter like what nationality it is, but there's a ton of them around us. You know, if you go down route 50 or other places and you're like, well, these places are always still here. So it can't be terrible. Um, and so once a month, gonna explore and go find like a true kind of like i would never normally go there but like pop in for lunch or whatever and try a true hole in the wall restaurant so mine are club head speed above 110 um that's kind of what i view the floor for competitive golf uh on on in the professional world at and uh you know that's kind of something i've been you know, trying to get back to after, uh, after back surgery, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I, I think I've seen two golf swings that, 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 that hit 110 in, in a couple of years on, on the track, man. So, um, that's been a little frustrating to not, not have that speed. You know, one of the things that, that continues to keep me out of the competitive game. So that is, that is certainly, it's been a goal, um, you know, or, or kind of a, a benchmark. And so it's, you know, a goal benchmark for, for this year, for me in golf. Um, I want to do a better job tracking my workouts. I mean, I, I do my workouts. I do a lot of workouts, Brian, you said, you know, three a week. I mean, I, 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 I do that plus, you know, cause it is part of my job and, and rehab and all that stuff. So I, I have a little bit more margin in, in that world, but I've had some real success, you know, a couple years of, of really tracking the workouts and and kind of you know spreadsheeting them and 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 recovery things and trying to trying to finally correlate what makes me you know 
play good or feel good. Um, and when I tracked those workouts, you know, a, a number of years ago, I, I was able to really correlate between good weeks and bad weeks, you know, kind of in what pieces of the, of the off course stuff was going on. And, and that was, that was helpful. So kind of going to try and get, get back into that. And then kind of non, non-golf related for me, if this is a goal or not, it's just a thing I'm doing is I have, um, in, in a sense, I've, I've taken the blinders off. Um, and, you know, now three years from post post-surgery realize there's a, there's a limited window in getting back to competitive golf. I have in no way given up on that window. I don't want anybody to misunderstand that who's listening, but, but for the last two, two and a half years, I've had blinders on and not entertained any other, you know, conversations or thoughts or ideas. Uh, you know, part of me joining this podcast was taking the blinders off a, a little bit and doing doing something else and, and having a conversation looking at what other fun things might be available for me so I'm going to continue to do that and um, you know have have conversations as they come along I'm not actively searching but if there's if there's something that, that comes my way I'll I'll entertain it more than I have in in the last couple of years um, you know when I've had had the blinders on and then and then finally, you know, you guys did three, but I'm told that I have a fourth one. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was given to me. This is, you know, but apparently I'm supposed to organize a, a a golf tournament in New Jersey across the railroad tracks near a water park for the hosting team of of this podcast. Um, so we'll we'll see what we can do about that. That that was given to me. I'm not claiming that goal. I'm not pontificating about the probability of that happening. But if one of the three of us could make it happen, it, it, it'd probably be me. Yeah, you got to have stretch goals. I think that's important with goals. And so, you know, giving you a stretch goal, I think, is important. That's what we're here to do. Well, there's two other things I want to add real quick. First, would this be across the street from Adventureland in New Jersey, Adventure Action Park? Because I saw that place and it looks awesome. I want to do Action Park. You guys can do your golf thing. I'll do Action Park. That looks exciting. Um, but we'll Go down the water slides after. All right. and Morning the- morning round, water, water park afternoon, Lazy River. Well, one other sort of like half goal is I am going to try four of like the wild make no sense. Like that can't be true products from Instagram this year. I will document it on the pod, which ones I try um, right now. The leaders in the clubhouse are like the green tea thing or whatever that you put on your face and all your blackheads pop out. I want to see if that one's legit. Um, the the other one that also has caught my eye, just out of curiosity, it is dry January, is the uh, the foot patch to suck all the toxins out of your body as you sleep. Um, th- those two have caught my attention. I also think they'll be fairly like low cost to try. So I'm I I will pick one and I will report back when I have followed through well this will be a very fun thing to follow the the algorithms have caught george and brought him down an influencer rabbit hole he is going to be inundated with uh fixes of all short uh, shapes and sizes but hey this is a a fun week uh we will look forward to primetime golf here uh, in the east coast of the u.s and with that i will bid you guys Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.